Pod Doctors is brought to you by the Kindle book, Saving Limbs, Saving Lives, Advanced Treatments to Prevent Amputations in Diabetic Populations. This book by Dr. Damien Dauphiné discusses specific patient cases in diabetic limb preservation, which highlight the modern use of wound care technology that has exploded in the last 20 years. With only one advanced therapy available in 1999, there are now hundreds of options to help close chronic wounds in diabetic patients. Dr. Dauphiné distills these options down to show patients and physicians treating these patients how combinations of these products can be used to save limbs and save lives. Welcome to The Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damien Dauphiné, board-certified foot and ankle surgeon, and my partner, Dr. Rafa Hussein, fellowship-trained podiatric surgeon, and we are The Pod Doctors. Each week, The Pod Doctors will be discussing aspects of podiatric medicine and surgery to educate our audience on common foot and ankle problems and the latest treatment options available. We hope to bring you interesting and informative shows each week discussing all the crazy ways that our wonderful foot can malfunction and cause us problems. So please find us on all the platforms where you find your typical podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and YouTube where you can view our videos. So please like and subscribe, and we will see you next time on The Pod Doctors. Welcome to the Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damian Dauphiné, and I'm here with my partner, Dr. Rafi Hussein. And today we're going to talk about surgical treatment for heel pain, including some adjunctive things that we do. Yeah. Uh, so, so far away. Yeah. So plantar fasciitis probably the most common foot problem that we see in clinic. We go through the whole shebang of conservative treatment, and I don't know. I mean, how often do you think we end up going to surgery for plantar fasciitis? Honestly, our protocol works so well. I yeah. think it's less than two or three percent. Yeah, I, I tell patients uh, like maybe one in thirty. I mean, very rarely. Yeah. So plantar fasciitis. Let's go through broad. Uh, what's going on? Plantar fascia, the ligament that goes from the heel to the toes. Every time you step down, that ligament ends up getting aggravated in poles. It's a combination of a tight plantar fascia and a tight Achilles. So we do our stretching, we do our insoles, we do our concerted therapy. And if all else fails, we talk about finally going in and treating it surgically. So the two forms of pathology that add to this is the tight Achilles and the plantar fascia, which is um, tight and, and uh, pulling on that heel bone, causing that pain. So my treatment protocol uh, for this is addressing both problems. So let's go into one of my cases here. Yeah, this is definitely a problem that we like to say is you got to attack it with everything but the kitchen sink. Yeah. You got to hit it from multimodal aspect. You can't just write a script for a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, <laughs> have them go take some ibuprofen and they're going to be better. Yeah. Take some ibuprofen, do some stretches, you'll be good. You hear that from a lot of other folks. That's mm-hmm. not going to work. So you got to hit it from from every angle possible. And when that fails, which is rare, but when that does, that's where this stuff can really be helpful. So in my case, I do the endoscopic technique. I know you do the topaz, right? Or I, the, I like, yeah, I like trying to avoid cutting the plantar fascia. I've just had some yeah. good results with that for the last 20 years. Yeah. There's um, but a multitude this, of ways yeah. of treating it. Because yeah. uh, essentially the endoscopic plantar fasciotomy, you're releasing it, but the tissue's growing back. Yeah, yeah. But hopefully growing back, back elongated and you're getting 
the same effect. You're releasing the tension there. You're, you're causing an acute wound yeah. so that your the body's going to then start laying down new tissue, yeah. which in, uh, oftentimes is probably what really works the most. Yeah. So in the endoscopic technique, small little portal we make on the medial side of the heel, right? A little small incision, and we come in and we release one half to two thirds of the plantar fascia. Some argue releasing the whole thing. I'm in the two thirds type of um, family, mm -hmm. and I've had great results with this. We can do a single port, we can do a double port. I do the single port technique. It's just more comfortable in my hand. And um, depends on the manufacturer. And that too. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like that new one where the where you have the two things coming in side by side, where you mm -hmm. have the oblong cannula. Right. Um, I think that's so so much nicer. Well, that's um, what we use for the mend for oh, the yes. for the nerve the you nerve release. Yeah. Literally, specifically trim back exactly what you need. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and you'll see on this technique, this the um, version, the blade is on the end of the uh, the scope rather than a separate blade or or two separate blades coming in from side to side. But there's a multitude of ways. I mean, there's there's a, a lot of different ways of doing this. So hopefully, we'll be able to do more of these surgical videos for you guys so that we can actually show what we're doing in the operating room yeah so two incisions i do my plantar heel incision which you may have seen which i was doing at the bottom and then i do my gastric recession incision which i do right at the gastric aponeurosis but this one we're going to focus on the plantar fascia and then we'll jump into the gastroc afterwards what percentage of uh, of endoscopic cases are you doing the gastroc all of them most, most, most of them, them yeah. yeah. I don't know percentage. If they have a Aquinas component sure. to them, which most plantar fascias do, I end up doing the gas rock with them. I, I think that's that's yeah. a large that's a large portion of why I think you have such good results. Because I think that's when you ignore that component, you're yeah. going to have failures. Yeah. So here we're using a spatula type of device to free up a little port. I'm trying to be a photographer and a surgeon at the same time, <laughs> so you can kind of see uh, freeing up that plantar fascia. I'm getting my little my uh, my wiggle room uh, here. I'm gonna rewind that, and you can kind of see that strum when I'm doing that little strum in there. The Steven Spielberg of you can see I'm strumming, and you can see that plantar fascia literally strum, and that's when I know I'm strumming that plantar fascia. I'm bringing the big toe up. I'm putting some traction on that plantar fascia, getting my freer to get in that little plane under the plantar fascia, and you know opening up a little window. So um, we can get the uh, the scope and the cannula and the whole system in there. Uh, and like you can see, I mean, the incision is it's tiny, tiny. And it's so much better than, you know, like uh, what they used to do. Remember those long... DeVries incision? Oh, yeah. yeah. Those were huge. That, that was a good way to bag the, the mediocalcaneal nerve. Yeah. yeah. So here we've got the little cannula. You see the scope. So a little thing. If you're ever doing scopes that little arm under which actually brings the scope at a 30 degree angle pointing up so there's the view through the scope yeah so here i bring it back out trying to be skin, all camera savvy so, skin fat and fascia so fascia right there fascia right there fascia right there i think i'm actually trying to take a picture right now so i can show the the patient afterwards mm -hmm. the before and after and um if i remember correctly i try i end up starting a recording and it was those these buttons like it's like one click is picture two clicks yeah. is, is video three clicks is like audio, i don't know all these fun things so here we go you can see the plantar fascia you see the fat i just put some um, cotton tips in there which will clear up all that fluid and stuff you can see the fat you can see the plantar fascia right there and me i'm trying to get it to move on camera while holding everything and then um after this we'll put the blade on there you said this is a single port single port and they put the blade on the end 
Oh, here's my uh, my uh, surgical scrub. So I was holding the camera, trying to like get her to put it on. Usually I'll hand it to them, but she was like, oh, you know, uh, let me just get that and put it on. So I was like, oh, I'm doing this. And she's like, get that light out of my face because the light <laughs> is so bright coming out of the end of that. Blind your assistant. Yeah. She's like, I can't see anything. So that's the blade. That's the blade yeah. on the tip of that. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go in, I'll turn it sideways to get through that incision nice and comfortable, and I'll bring it back around. Who makes this system? This is the, uh, I think this is right medical. Okay. I try to use them for the scopes. I've, yeah. I've been using them for years and it's comfortable in my hands and uh, I've had good results. You got some fat on there. I think I take this out and I clean it up. But overall, we're freeing up that plantar fascia all the way across, completely released. And when you're releasing the plantar fascia, you'll get that, that, that laxity. And then, um, I, I don't know, I guess I trimmed out that portion. You'll see a gap when you're going back through the plantar fascia all the way up to the end where you uh, released it. You'll see muscle. Yeah, that's what you want to see. Nice, beefy red muscle. Right. All right. So the second half of my surgery is the gastroc recession. I do this also endoscopically. Um, I do them open. Sometimes I do them endoscopically for the, I don't know, 80, 90% I do them um, endoscopically for the gastroc. But uh, same purpose. We're going in. And for the gastroc, the nice thing is we're doing a complete release all the way across. So you'll kind of feel that difference whenever you're going all the way across versus if you have like one or two strands still left in there. What do you consider the major pros and cons of the gastroc versus doing an Achilles lengthening? What Like a triple hemisection? Yeah, I think the biggest the biggest risk of actually lengthening the Achilles is over lengthening. Yeah. So, so you don't have to worry about that with the gastroc because you're gastroc. coming above the Achilles. You're releasing the tissue. It's going to give you length, but you can't really over-release Yeah, it's it. a controlled lengthening. Yeah. So a general rule of thumb, the more further down you are when you're lengthening the Achilles, the more lengthening you're going to get out per dissection or, or whatever release. Right. So when you're doing your triples, I mean, and you, I'm sure you see this, when you do your triples, you get phenomenal. Get tremendous, yeah. Phenomenal. Like, that's why you do them great for like your Charcot patients and all right. that because you need so much extra motion because right. they're so stiff. Um, but for the gastrocs, I don't know, I get a good, you know, if they're at 90, I get a good 15 to 20 degrees of ankle dorsiflexion. That's plenty. And that's all we really yeah, need. Yeah, that's plenty. For an adult, I think they say 15 degrees is pretty uh, much what I, you need. I'd be glad with 10 yeah. for most folks. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the gastroc is nice, especially since that aponeurosis sits right up against that soleus muscle. So you release it, and it's still attached uh, on mm -hmm. both ends, but you're getting an extra length, and it, it you know scars back in eventually. And here, let's go through the procedure. Same thing, you know, I use the single port technique on this. Same manufacturer, right? Medical, but you know, there's multiple other companies out there. In this example, they're doing uh, the hook example, where you bring the hook with you. It doesn't make a difference. They all work. So when I do my gastrocs, I do the dissection first, right? I make my little pocket. The most common thing, and I'm sure you'll say the same thing with the gastroc, when you do them endoscopically, is that risk of catching that sore nerve, right? Right, Because the sore nerve will come in behind that uh, Achilles, uh, that peritoneum or whatever. So super, it's right under the skin, superficial to the aponeurosis. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. superficial to the aponeurosis. So what I do, you'll see, this is something I just picked up throughout the years, uh, one of my professors or residency uh, attendings did it this way. And I was like, oh, it's simple. So what he would do, he'd pocket down. And rather than just blindly putting in my freer, I'll go down to that little aponeurosis, poke a little hole, and then I'll do my dissection, which... So you're essentially doing subfascial dissection. Yeah. 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 So it's a nice way to do it. Uh, simple and it... Protecting it, the sternal nerve and the superficial fascia, keeping it out of your way. Yeah. yeah. And it makes sure that I'm not, you know, catching that sore nerve, right. the, the most common risk of doing that technique. So here we're putting the little trocar and the cannula in with it, finding that little pocket that I just made. 
and making sure and I'm feeling on both sides and I'm coming across all to the opposite side. Because if you don't get the whole thing, you'll feel a tightness on one side or you'll feel like that you're not getting enough dorsiflexion. And, and to some folks, there's a real horizon. Oh, thing. yes. And so getting around that bend can be a little difficult. And, and sometimes when I'm doing this and if I'm not getting that length, I'll open them up and I'll just do them yeah. open. I'll just yep. literally have to grab up my little co-car, pull that tendon so it curves all the way across, and then I'll just get my little mats in there and free it up. Right. So here you can see the aponeurosis. So the white tissue is the yep. aponeurosis. Here's the nurse, uh, the scrub tech, putting on the blade as I blind her again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and these systems are, you know, simple. I mean, Pretty slick. Yeah, it, it's not too many moving parts. Here, you, you have, like I said, I turn it sideways so I don't cut the skin. I'm getting in, getting into that fascia now, and coming all the way across. So you're cutting going away or you're cutting coming back? I'm coming, going, I'm going in. away, yeah. So I'm slowly going in, and that's the, the one downside of this. The, the pulling technique is a lot more comfortable, naturally, mm -hmm. and the, the pushing technique, you're, you're scared you're going to go too far. So I'm very cautiously pulling, I mean pushing. So when I'm doing this, I'm holding on to the cannula, and I'm holding on to the, the scope. And I'm, I'm controlling my movement. My fingers are in the gap, so I'm making sure right. that there's no excessive movement. You can, so I make one or two passes, making sure I'm coming all the way across. And you can see that that slicing that little that muscle belly in there. Looks yeah. good. Yeah, juicy. That's going to give the patient 10 to 15 degrees of motion at the ankle joint that they didn't have before. Yeah, which was a contributor to why they were failing your conservative care yeah. for their plantar fasciitis. Yeah. So that combination of procedures is very effective. Yeah. And, and I think that's a, a common thing that's missed with a plantar fascia treatments when you're not explaining to the patient that the Achilles is a huge portion of the plantar fascia. The, the whole posterior muscle group. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We, one of the worst things that can happen to the foot biomechanically is to have that calf muscle and the Achilles get tight. Yeah. We've seen what it does in Charcot patients. I mean, it yeah. is devastating in someone who has neuropathy. That lack of range of motion at the ankle is is a uh, absolute um, generator of forces through the foot that destroy the foot. So it, we all seem to get tight as we get older. So you know that's a it's certainly a, a reason to stretch every day. So something that I add on to most of my plantar fascia things uh, surgeries is I take the spur down a touch. Technically, you don't have to, but I'm doing surgery. I'm in there. And I'll remove them. I don't do it in this technique. This was just a great picture where you can kind of see they line it up. I do that same medial incision and take a little rasp or a reciprocating rasp and I kind of buzz it down. I'm not trying to get the whole thing gone. I'm just trying to rough it up and get it a little bit shorter. So if the patient is concerned about their heel spur, it'll be shorter, it'll be smaller, it'll be less prominent. And if they have fat pad atrophy, then they won't have that prominence that they're stepping on theoretically. So that, yeah, that's causing, essentially you're debriding the area. Yeah, yeah. And, and nothing too aggressive. And that's going to get uh, an acute, it's going to convert a chronic problem into an acute problem, get yeah. some bleeding in there, which is helpful. So. Yeah. And I try to, I don't do the, the burrs. I know some people say you do the burrs. You're catching way too much tissue with that yeah. version. And then also the nerve is right there. So that's why I try to do the hand rasp. In most of my patients, I do the hand rasp. It's uh, quick and easy. And I literally have the C-arm there. I'll just take a series of pictures. And this whole subset of procedures takes you 10, 15 minutes? Yeah, yeah, 15 minutes tops. I mean, yeah. let's jump ahead here. Here we go. Here, literally, just literally by hand. It's a nasal rasp. Just kind of just buzz it down. I'll take the before and after picture. Nothing too crazy. And I'll just buzz it down. And the nice part is once you get onto it, sometimes there's a little tissue attached to it. Once you get onto it, you can feel the whole contour to right. it. Just, just literally shave down, just taking pictures. Yeah. 
the recovery on plantar fasciitis is uh, plantar fascia surgery is is minimal. I mean, um, I don't know what you typically do. I do a boot and yeah. I have them walking the same day because I want them to maintain that length. I have seen patients who go non-weight-bearing. There is a lower success rate. I've only For the EPFs? Yes. For the topaz, I don't think it matters. Yeah. I, think I keep them off of it for two or three days just to control, yeah. calm the, calm the area down. down. But but we make sure that we get them off NSAID. So we don't yes. want them using non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, believe ibuprofen, aspirin, for about two weeks before the surgery yeah. and then for about a week or 10 days after because we need that inflammatory response. Yeah. So with the topaz, we'll get it. We'll get a video of that because yeah, I think that's going to be nifty. It would be kind of cool. will like that. I haven't done one in a couple months. And, and so I, I didn't have any. I don't think I have one coming up yet, but, you know, they'll, they'll come up from time to time. I swear they come in like waves. I know. I'll, I'll do I'll three like... or four <laughs> and then nothing for three, four months. But you're poking holes in a controlled fashion with a wand that superheats the tissue at different levels. So you're co- creating an acute injury and expecting the body to then start filling that gap with good and it, tissue. And it meshes that tissue. So it, it literally accordions that length also somewhat. Uh, maybe a little bit, yeah. but I think you're really focusing more on using it as a debridement technique. So yeah. it's just like a chronic wound. We've got to debride the wound, get rid of the, the dead tissue, get rid of the callus, cause it to bleed a little bit, cause the acute wound healing capacity to to reinstitute. That's the same thing you're doing with topaz. So you want to encourage that initial inflammatory response. And, and if you blunt it with the, anti, the NSAIDs, then you're not going to get the same kind yeah. of inflammatory. Because people have to understand that normal wounds heal with inflammation first to clean out all the junk, bring in the cells that are necessary to, to heal. And it doesn't matter whether it's a wound in your skin or a wound inside your foot. Same thing roughly happens. Yeah. Yeah. So healing potential is still the same. Right. These are great procedures for that percentage of patients that fail our conservative treatment, which thankfully is fairly rare because yeah. plantar fasciitis is the number one thing we treat. We got it uh, coming out of our ears. I, if <laughs> I saw I saw almost 30 patients yesterday. 10 or 12 of them were plantar fasciitis patients. Oh, yeah. So a third it. of my patient visits yesterday were plantar fasciitis. It's like you're on like a recording. You do the same, you say the yeah. same thing over and over but again. I, I, I love treating those folks because yeah. they're usually folks that are maybe weekend warriors trying to work out more. And this is yeah. this is keeping them from doing what they want to do to yeah. lose weight or be healthy. And and we have a number of different things that we can use. Uh, we'll have to, you know, do one on the, on the MLS laser. I think yeah. that, that cutting edge laser has been a, a great thing. In fact, one of my, tennis buddies rolled his ankle over the weekend bad ankle injury and i don't think he ruptured anything so we're going to be able to hit him with the laser this we've week. had a couple of doctors come through here and yep. a lot of patients are like oh you know is it is does it work does it do anything look we have physicians coming in uh, here and doing I, it i've had them use it on me for plantar fasciitis achilles tendonitis and and patellar tendonitis i, I was literally crippled last summer yeah. <laughs> from playing too much tennis yeah so I know personally that it works and it's an adjunct. And again, that's why you got to use everything but the kitchen sink for plantar fasciitis and, yeah. and Achilles tendonitis. But um, we've been very successful at avoiding the need for surgery. Yeah. But at six months, you know, if, you, if the patients had all those conservative treatments, they have custom orthotics, they're doing their stretching and you get to six months down the line, you can cut bait at that point. And, and yeah. there are some, you know, we've talked about this before, you can ultrasound the plantar fascia and, and there is some good evidence to support the fact that if you get a thickness of X, whatever, four millimeters, four millimeters yeah. you depend on who you read, that, that that's a good person to to 
abandon the conservative stuff because they're unlikely to respond. It's fasciitis versus fasciosis. That acute versus chronic. Right. So, and I'm a believer in that. I think that makes sense. And so uh, if they end up in that position and don't mind jumping straight to surgery, they're probably a good candidate for that rather than waste six months on something that's probably not going to improve their situation. And most of these patients that have had plantar fasciitis for a long time have tried their home remedies they've tried seeing their doctors steroid shots to the glutes you know they're doing all everything that they can and then they finally come see us and we're like they're like we've tried this we tried that and i'm like going through my my care routine they're like yes i've done that i've done that i've done that here are my insoles here are my this and that and and that's helpful but i also if i'm not happy with their orthotics oh a lot of them get like the floppy (laughs) no i don't want to throw the um certain the, doctor the foot levelers insoles. i don't yeah. want to throw the foot levelers under the bus but yeah. i'm going to throw them under the bus they don't work very well for plantar fasciitis so the topaz micro reader is a, a nice option that's what you typically do right and I, I like that because you're creating an acute injury where you've got a chronic injury so you can utilize the topaz to poke a bunch of holes in the plantar fascia or whatever tendon you're trying yeah. to address with tendinopathy. And that's what they see online when they're looking at that those pictures and it almost looks like a little grid pattern right. that you're kind of going through, you're penetrating. A, you're making a matrix. Yeah. And not really because you're trying to stretch anything. You're, you're just trying to ac- acutely injure the, the area but doing it in a controlled fashion mm-hmm. so that you're going to get a healing response, a cascade effect of, of healing going. And then I'll usually put amniotic tissue over that Push it to heal better right. and faster. You're going to improve, I think, the healing capacity by providing tremendous amounts of, of growth factors. Yeah, so, and that's what's happening. You go from that chronic fasciosis to that fasciitis, right. which is... You're rebuilding tissue. So we do, we do use amniotic tissue on top. I think that's effective at yeah. controlling scarring. It also provides tremendous amounts of growth factors. So when they essentially freeze dry this tissue. I think one of the companies has their own process. They have this special magic. Perion process. Yeah. We won't mention. (laughs) Some specific specific company that we've used. Right. That we use all the time. But they're convinced that this process locks in those growth factors. They've been able to prove that with with peer reviewed journal articles. So I'm not, I'm not um, being facetious. They really have uh, provided the science to back it up, but that's what they're doing by dehydrating it and, and locking those growth factors in. And then, when we use that tissue and place it over an area that, that we're trying to get to heal, uh, those growth factors can be extremely effective at pushing that tissue in the direction of healing. And, and there's actually a big push now to get the, the those same uh, stem cell injections approved in office because they see how beneficial right. it is to healing. I, I think so. I think Medicare just you know provided some reimbursement for, for one called Fluid Flow yeah. that we're using. I, I think there's tremendous, tremendous potential for this stuff. I think when you use steroids for plantar fasciitis, what you're trying to do is control inflammation long enough to let the body do an end around and come in and start fixing things, right? Because yeah. the inflammatory response is chronic, so it's it's breaking the healing cascade. You're preventing, you're blocking that healing cascade at that point. That's the same thing with chronic wounds. Whenever they right. have that chronic inflammation, that, that fibrous tissue buildup. You gotta find a way to, to cut that stuff out turn it into an acute wound and then move on, right? Yeah. Well, if you're getting diminishing returns with steroid injections, you know, a lot of times it's because the body, the patient just doesn't have the capacity to do the end around and come in and fix stuff. Yeah. So if you accept that fact, then I think that's where converting to something that's going to be a huge stimulus to regenerative 
capacity. Yeah. So when we put those stem cells in there, we're not asking those particular stem cells to fix the problem. We're asking those particular stem cells to be a massive Recruiter. chemical marker, a chemical stimulus for the body's own stem cells to come out of bone, come out of the other tissues yeah. and concentrate on that area to fix stuff. Yeah. So those tissues that are damaged are given off distress signals and that and the stem cells will react react to that and you'll come in. If it's up to a 50 or 60 year old patient's body to do that, they're not they're not there aren't enough stem cells in, in solution to be able to, to accomplish that many times. That's why kids whenever they get cut infants, they get you know, these cuts and scrapes and want to heal up. I mean beautifully. Yeah. yeah. No scar. When you operate on a sixteen year old kid, yeah, uh, their, their scar in a year looks Almost imperceptible. And I take full That's credit great. for that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, look at that beautiful incision, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the, the wonder of our stem cellular capacity when you're young. And, and that gets older and older. I was talking to my dad about this. You know, he's 76, 77. They use PRP yeah. in his hip. And platelet-rich plasma, I think, can work. But I think it you I, I, I think clearly you're going to get diminishing returns the older the patient gets because yeah. you're you're expecting you're getting some stem cellular component there and that one in 500,000 at that age, maybe. Yeah. And what we're using with the umbilical cord stem cells is one in 10,000. So it's a 50 times yield. This is a massive yeah. difference. So I think yeah. some of this is a numbers game. I think if you put enough of a stimulus, a bolus of stem cells into that area, you're going to get a massive, hopefully a massive influx of the, the patient's own stem cells to come in and fix the area. Yeah. And that's why PRP was so good. The only downside was that it, you couldn't regulate it as strongly. And that's why, well, because it's been shown that with steroids versus PRP and randomized controlled trials, they've been as effective as steroid injections. And, and the downside, the, I mean, 25 years ago when-, when That was the only I, option. There were wound centers that that was their thing. They were yeah. called the curative wound centers and they would do PRP and apply that to the wounds and get wounds, many wounds moving forward that weren't moving forward. Yeah. But what you couldn't really measure was you it was just a dump of growth factors. You're pulling it's like you're 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 sieving out all the good stuff and then you're slapping that into the wound which is great but but you don't know at what this was the biggest critique of that was that you were dumping growth factors in you didn't know whether they needed to be a coordinated effort. So I think it, it's very similar to like an orchestra. If you've got the conductor conducting the orchestra, it sounds beautifully. It sounds yeah. beautiful, right? If you just have everybody playing all at the same time, it sounds like crap. So uh, I think there is something to that. When you're dumping growth factors, you're you're probably going to bump up that healing capacity for some patients, but clearly not as many as you're going to 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 accomplish that with if you've got the stem cellular component with it. Yeah. So you've got the stem cells now coordinating an effort with growth factors. And doing it, you know, uh, just like a conductor conducting an orchestra. Yeah, it's like the next generation of PRP injections. Right. I, I think this is where we're headed. I think we're going to be able to do a lot more for people who have fasciosis and tendinosis yeah. with this. It, it's just a matter of finding reimbursement. And patients will pay cash for this. And yeah. we clearly offer that because, I, you know, I think it's important to at least offer it to people. Especially in like Achilles. I mean, yeah. I think Achilles is one of the biggest pushes that we have to make. Uh, for stem cell injections because we, keep, we don't want to put steroid back there. It's There's too yeah. many well-written articles about how that can can lead to the potential for rupture. Yeah. So you just you can't do it. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I think that was a great discussion of some of the surgical options for for plantar fasciitis. I think that's important for people to know. 
thankfully it's a relatively small number of folks that that require that but you know if if you've only been treated for about six weeks and your doctor's like hey let's do surgery you know maybe explore other options because i think that's probably premature yeah give it some time it's it's an you know it's something that you're walking on you have to go through all the steps stretching good shoes good insoles these steroid injections if you're not a fan of steroid injections i have a patient right now cannot do injections just yeah. deathly afraid so what he did he's the mls laser and he's doing well he's yeah. doing great love that thing yeah awesome well thanks dr hussein and we will see you guys next time on the pod doctors take care Thank you for listening to The Pod Doctors. We appreciate all of our listeners and subscribers. If you'd like to hear more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and watch our videos on YouTube. Like, thumbs up, subscribe, be safe. See you all next time. Bye-bye.